God damn. Do I miss lifting? I talked to Steve Kuklo last week. I talked to a new IFBB pro you're about to be introduced to this week, and I can't train, can't do anything with this broken back, and it's driving me insane. It's it's literally making every area of my life hell. So that's my little vent, my little rant as I uh, try to piece this podcast together because I still don't completely know what I'm doing and I'm going to keep doing it for you and for me. I love doing this. I love trying to learn new shit. And so if you don't tell me where I suck, I can't fix it. So reach out to me online, find me everywhere. I am Rob Childs and say anything, you know, just say hi. Let me know what's going on in your day. Let me know where you think I should improve. Now on to the episode, because today is a big one. Today was a really good one. Um, it's another local Michigan, not, bleh, cannot talk, another local Michigan guy named Dominic Trivelline, an IFBB pro. He just won his pro card this year, and it's a huge deal. And if you're saying a pro card's not a big deal, it's because you don't have one, or you can't respect the amount of work that goes into the careers of these guys. It's whether it's traveling the uh, competition schedule. Sorry, my brain is just not working, but I got to keep going because I owe it to you and I owe it to Dom. He puts in all of his work, basically 18 hours a day of his life is spent focused on this one sport, whether it's sleeping, training, eating, the constant meals, the constant hydration, now he's got to deal with people like me from the media because he's the next biggest thing. He's the next Jose Raymond. Uh, his body style, I don't know what it is, but I'm a fan of him and Jose, so I wanted to draw that comparison for myself. Um, but this is going to be for you guys. So let me shut up, step aside, and uh, allow myself to introduce to you the new IFBB Pro, Dominic Trivelline. Cool, yeah. And uh, just like that, I don't really do any, you know, fancy intros or anything like that. I'd rather just have the conversation. So uh, today, everybody, we got Dominic with me. Um, your last name is a little complicated for my dumbass to try to figure out how to say. So, uh, yeah. How do you say your last name? That's all right. No one no one has ever gotten it right on the first try, uh, but it's pronounced Trevolini. Okay. Yeah, I was I was thinking Trevoline. Or something Some like that, people but. say Treveline or Treveline. Yeah, it's oh well. But we got it going. We tried to use a different software that didn't work because the internet's broken. So now we got Zoom, good old fashioned Zoom, and uh, seems like everybody has Zoom. Everybody knows how to use Zoom with uh, the pandemic and everything. So uh, how did you fare out throughout the pandemic? Did you uh, did you make it out of there with everything still intact? Actually, as soon as the pandemic pretty much started, I moved to Florida because <laughs> um, they started closing gyms up here and I still had a spot to train. Um, 
but like literally everything was closed and i just remember driving to the gym i had private access to it i was like the only one on 696 it was so weird it's crazy but um no after about a month or two into covid the whole quarantine stuff i moved to florida yeah, you were one of the smart ones. I know I uh, I was actually lucky in uh, knowing Rob, actually, who we were just talking about. Uh, he t- used to have a studio, and mm-hmm. he was a trainer at the gym that I was going to, and then he was shutting his studio down. He had all this gym equipment that he moved into his garage, and so COVID hit, and him and I, like, we were training partners pretty much for, like, a solid year, and uh, – I'd just go over to his place after work every day. I got a job in a grocery store, so that way I could keep busy and uh, ended up over at that dude's place lifting every single day because it was, I mean, mental health is a huge thing, especially now that coming to the forefront, everybody's talking about it is definitely something that uh, got brought to my attention during the pandemic. So it's actually just kind of like jump a little bit back and uh, get a little bit more on you. So uh, you're obviously a a big guy, you know, you go on social media, you can see what you look like and you're a monster. Um, You weren't always like that. And a lot of times I've found um, doing nutrition work through combat sports and like the gym and working with bodybuilders. And we all have like a a story. We're all kind of fighting something, you know, um, especially on those days when it's time to put the hoodie on, you put the you just headphones and the hoodie over your head and you just get to work. And uh, so I kind of want to know what's behind all that. So if you wouldn't mind just kind of giving a little quick insight on where you're from and uh, just a little bit about what you're doing. Uh, so I grew up in small town, Chelsea, Michigan, like right side, right outside of Ann Arbor. Um, I was, born and raised there graduated high school there um i got into the whole bodybuilding thing by accident uh it's kind of a i always love telling this story um i was 15 at the time which i believe i was a sophomore in high school beginning of my sophomore year and my life was going down like a really bad path as far as like drugs and alcohol and hanging out with the wrong people and it ended up getting me in trouble legally at the school with drugs. And um, at the time, I was like kicked off the football team for that year. Uh, I was out of school suspension. Um, and if I kept going at the rate that I was, like, I was either going to end up in jail uh, or dead. I, what were you getting uh, caught doing? So I was like, trying to sell drugs for like senior kids in high school. And like throughout the school, I had stuff in my backpack at school, like just being reckless, like really reckless. Yeah. I was showing up to school under the influence every single day. Um, I was bombing every class, like just not a kid in the world. And I was like, I think it was just from like depression and stuff from, that I've been with from things that happened to me a long time ago as a kid growing up. And that's just kind of how I coped with everything. Um, yeah, for sure. But getting into bodybuilding, um, I had a Saturday suspension. So I had to go to school 8 a.m. to noon on a Saturday. 
And the lady's like, you need to do your homework. And I'm like, I don't have any. So she told me to read a book. So I don't read books at this point. Now I do a little bit. But um, I'm just scrolling through the library. And I find this like really old, dusty book called Weightlifting and Bodybuilding by Franco Colombo. And I just grabbed it. Just randomly grabbed it. And I started reading through it. The book was made in 1987. I don't think anyone's opened it since then. It like it, the book had that like old smell. Like, yeah, it was. But I ended up reading through it, and I see pictures of Franco Colombo, who was Arnold Schwarzenegger's training partner. Yep. And I'm like, dude, this guy's fucking huge. It's disgusting. I'm like, what the hell? Why does he look like this? And um, I noticed there was like a a full training program in there. So I kept the book. Um, and at my house, you know, my dad was the assistant athletic director for university of Michigan for like 13 years. So he acquired a lot of gym equipment that was in our basement, um, for working from U of M. So I was like, you know, there's a workout program in here. Maybe I'll just do it. So after school, I got home and I, started working out just following the pictures and the workouts and uh um in the book and uh that after about three weeks of doing that uh pretty much never got involved with drugs and alcohol again and uh all those people in my life went away after about three or four weeks of lifting people started to notice my body like already changing and i did too i was getting stronger and i was like this is really fast so I think I started lifting like three days a week and I was like, all right, that's enough. You know, I like it. And then, then it just took off from there. Uh, I started lifting four days a week, five days a week. And I was getting bigger and stronger than all my friends. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just working out and I was eating everything we had in the cupboard. And I think I'm on made. Down. So now all my friends are coming to my place after school to work out me. And um, fast forward about a year later, I get my first gym membership at the Anytime Fitness in Chelsea, uh, just so I had more equipment to use. And um, was working out there, and uh, I started just seeing really good results. Like I started to look like. Um, after about, I'd say, three to four months of lifting, I looked like a men's physique competitor. Uh, I had six-pack abs, I had cap shoulders, and a decent chest. And I was always kind of a skinnier kid growing up. Like, I had abs since, like, the third and fourth grade, just, like, really smaller kind of guy, always lean. And um, I just kind of became fascinated with the results. So I just started reading more books, uh, reading studies and researching online about things like nutrition and training and then i just started applying those to myself so we're at anytime fitness and you know this guy's like i don't remember who this guy was like, you should do a bodybuilding show i thought i was like, um 20 plus years old at the time but i'm like 16 heading into my junior year and i'm like yeah i don't know it's it's kind of weird these guys are in their underwear posing on stage I don't know if I want to do that. And um, then it kind of like, it kind of like clicked because I was like, dang, I look like 
a men's physique competitor after like six months of lifting. I'm like, I don't want to stop. So like, let's just keep getting bigger. And uh, decided in January, right around my 17th birthday, that I would do a bodybuilding show. And uh, I knew I needed someone to help me. So I just Googled local people. And that's how I met Rob. Um, and uh, I remember I used to watch like the Mr. Olympia call outs and I would mimic the posing in my basement in front of a mirror. So I taught myself how to pose. I taught myself how to train just by reading books and um, taught myself all about nutrition. And then I met Rob and Rob helped me prepare for my first show. Um, and I ended up winning my first show, which is the Michigan state championship. I won the team class I entered and I won the men's novice class that I entered. So I entered an open men's class too. And at 17, I had won both of those. And the judges were like amazed I was 17 years old. So from there, it was just like, okay, you know, this is pretty cool. I think I'm kind of good at this. Uh, what can I do next? And then I went on to the team nationals the following year. When I was 18, uh, I got second place. And then the following year after that, I did it the last time when I was 19 and I won the Mr. Teen America overall. I won the whole show, which was in Pittsburgh, where I actually just won last week. Um, and at that point, I kind of knew, like, this is probably what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, that's pretty sweet how... uh how one book can change your entire life. Just one little influential book changed the trajectory of everything that you do now. Um, I tried to buy the book from the school and they wouldn't let me. Oh, I think I pictured you stealing it. <laughs> I tried to, and they're like, they knew I had the book because I kept it from sophomore year yeah. all the way up till I graduated. And they said, hey, if you don't return the book, you don't get to walk at graduation. <laughs> oh, my God. So I had to return the like book to them. $10 book? They wouldn't <laughs> let me buy it. Yeah, so they wouldn't let me buy it. So it is what it is. But that book, like, uh, it changed my life. Yeah, I feel like I want to buy you that book now. <laughs> Just Amazon it to you, send it over. <laughs> you know, if I could find it somewhere, that book's so damn old, man. I would totally do it. Just to yeah. have it. Yeah. What the hell? The internet, cell phones, everything. I feel like we're constantly bombarded by cell phones, man. It's getting annoying. Um, so let's just kind of like take that segue and run with it as far as, uh, um, yeah, that didn't make any sense. But um, <clears throat> I wanted to jump back to something really quick. You were talking about uh, like your childhood um how exactly was your childhood growing up because that's kind of where a lot of things stem from and i know uh like i was talking to mike puccinella uh the other day and uh yusuf jafar i, I believe you may know him as well um and we've been talking a lot about you know how the pandemic affected everything and a lot of people getting into therapy you know um, and kind of like going through like some past traumas and shit like that. 
And so if you're starting to drink pretty early and like get into drugs and stuff like that, there's probably something going on at home. What exactly was, was happening that you were trying to get away from? Yeah, it stems back quite a few, like a long, long time. Like I've kind of openly spoke about this about a year ago and I never really told anyone um, up until like a year and a half ago. I kept this to myself my whole life until I told my sister, but in in the fourth grade i was molested by an older family friend someone that we knew that we went to church with and um being in fourth grade i was really young i kind of have blacked all that out but i think growing up that kind of lived with me a little bit and i kind of remember it um and i will preface and say growing up we had a roof over our head. We always had food on the table. Bills were always paid and I had clothes on my back. So I didn't struggle in that aspect. Um, I had a, I had a father who wasn't really a father. He was there, uh, but didn't really fill the roles of, of being a dad. So I kind of didn't have anyone to look up to in that aspect, which I think was another big part of it. Mm. Um, so like, the drinking and drugs started when I was in like sixth grade. So like, you remember I was pre-middle school. What's the first thing you got fucked up on? Do you remember? I think I just started smoking pot like in sixth grade and, and drinking and um, stuff like that. And I was always hanging around older kids too. So I think I was trying to be like cool with the older kids and uh, just kind of downward spiraled from there from sixth grade up until I found that book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think getting in trouble with the police was kind of like the turning point. Cause I felt like I, I'm from a really small town. So like when something like that happens, the entire town knew by the end of the day. And now my friend's parents are like, don't hang out with Dom. And my parents are super embarrassed and disappointed. So I kind of was like, I'm tired of living this way. Um, you know, I shouldn't be living like this. My life's going down the drain. I was not going to graduate high school. Um, so, yeah, just combination of all that I really struggled with. And then the gym was, was the outlet instead of drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Just to uh, kind of give a little back information for you. Um from like the like i grew up in a very violent um home so my mom had a boyfriend that he didn't really want to do anything productive with his life i don't remember him ever having a job except beating the shit out of me and it was like a daily occurrence you know so it was just something that i dealt with and i was embarrassed you know, like just I was afraid of having the entire school find out, you know, and like look at me and be like, you know, when you're in third, fourth, fifth grade, you know, you don't understand what help is. You don't know you're supposed to tell people you just you don't want to get made fun of. You know, right. that's like that was my biggest fear. And I felt like I never really fit in um, because of everything that had that was going on. And so now looking at everything, I've gone through therapy and I've realized you know, that I'm still carrying a lot of that shit with me. Um, and then for myself, when I got older and bigger and uh, realized some 
some things were off, you know, some shit was fucked up. I found the weights uh, similar to you. And that kind of just became my sanctuary of, you know, like I wanted to uh, produce this image, you know, of like a bigger guy. So you couldn't touch me. If I looked like I was dangerous or whatever, you know, um, then I, I felt safer. And I know in bodybuilding, a lot of times, the bigger the guy, the more insecure we are. And that's just a, a bigger thing that like not a lot of people talk about is, you know, the insecurities and the fact that men are sensitive sometimes, you know, like I've known some 300 pound dudes and watched them cry because they lost a show, but that that's very emotional for some people. Yeah. So let's kind of like take that and go into how you started training because you're obviously trying to get away from, you know, this, this thing and you start training and when do you actually take it serious enough to, to be like, you know, this is something that I want to do because you just recently won your pro card. So you're not just doing this as like a weekend warrior type thing. You know, you're, you're IFBB pro now. So this is your career. Um, right. At what point did you really take this serious and, and say, you know, this is something that I'm, I'm going to tackle? Well, before I dive right into that, I think, you know, you mentioned the insecurity thing. And I think for me personally, the gym was about having control over my body and my life because I felt like the drugs and alcohol controlled me yeah. and the people around me controlled me. And it was never really like, I guess insecurity because um, I've always, you know, I think maybe as I got deeper into bodybuilding, you get like a little insecure because you're always looking at your body like daily yeah. in the mirror. But for me, it was about control over myself, my mind, mentally, my body, physically, and uh, not letting other outside, you know, influences uh, dictate what my body does, what I think, what I do. And that was huge. Um, but as far as um, I do think the insecurity thing is like 90% of the people in the sport. I mean, mm -hmm. um, I see a lot with females too, especially with females. But um, when I started taking it seriously, so I kind of told myself going into team nationals when I was 19, I was like, look, if I don't win this show, uh, I'm probably going to stop. And uh, just probably isn't for me. I don't have a career doing this, but I poured everything ounce of my being into that contest prep it was the hardest contest prep of my life after i won it that's when i like took it seriously um and you can see because i added so i competed in team nationals in july of 2016 and i did my first men's national show in june of 2017 and I was 22 pounds heavier on stage in 10 months, which is like beyond not normal. Yeah. Um, so you could tell I started taking it seriously because as a teenager, like there was no off season. I didn't have an off season diet. I ate whatever I wanted. And I just went to the gym and had fun. And then when it's time to prep, I dieted and I prepped. And then I realized, okay, if I want to take this to the next level, I need to do this year round, um, like every day of the year. I need to eat six times a day and I need to train as hard as I can. So right around 19 years old to 20 years old is when I kind of flipped the switch. Um, I wasn't perfect as I am now, as far as uh, consistency and adherence, 
pretty much now I, I live like a robot. Um, but I started becoming more and more serious every single year. And you could see it in my body. I was growing like a weed from 19 to 23. Uh, yeah. I'm like 40 pounds of stage weight, which is lean muscle tissue. I think I gained like a total of 80 or 90 pounds. Um, so that's when I started taking it seriously. I did my first men's national show at 20 years old and I got fourth place. Um, and then it was the junior nationals in Chicago. I went back again in 2021 to do junior nationals in Chicago. Again, I was the front runner to win that show. I ended up placing second because this dude came out of nowhere who is now a top 10, Mr. Olympia 212 guy just showed up. And as soon as he took his clothes off, we all know he won. I mean, yeah, I was 21. He was 42 or 43. So like the maturity in our bodies is way different, but he was just like freak of nature. So I got second that show. Um, and then at 22, I did my first pro qualifier to try to turn pro and just for people who are listening that are not really familiar with bodybuilding, I guess, uh, no one really turns pro prior to 25. Like it's, it's, it's kind of a rare occurrence. Yeah. Um, Cause it, it takes time for the body to look right and build that kind of muscle. But I got fourth in Miami nationals, uh, the nationals in Miami, um, at 22 and, uh, 23, I was prepping for nationals again, ended up dropping out. That's a whole story in itself. And uh, at 24, I did North Americans as a pro qualifier. I had gotten third. This was a really hard result because um, the pictures were very evident that I had won. And everyone in the crowd thought that I had won. And uh, I was dead center, first call out. And I'm not saying politics and bodybuilding. I don't like to believe that. Mm -hmm. But the pictures don't lie. It was pretty clear that I had won my weight class. And I thought I was going to turn pro. And I ended up placing third. They rejudged us at the night show, which they rarely ever do. And so that was really disappointing. But I came back this year, 25 years old, same show, North Americans. And uh, very convincingly uh won my class it was uh, not close at all so um that was really awesome there's a bunch of little stories in between like each prep um of outside the reason i don't think i turned pro a couple years ago i turned pro at 25 is outside distractions that have derailed my young bodybuilding career which is my Mm -hmm. fault uh, but I had multitude of those, a multitude of those for sure. Yeah. So I know I've had a couple bodybuilders on already, um, but you brought up something that I feel like I should kind of describe. And then I want to dive into something really quick, but to turn pro at 25 for those, for people that aren't familiar with bodybuilding, the reason why it's so rare is like you were saying, you were competing against like the 40 year olds. Um, something happens to, especially like men's bodies, but when you're packing on all this muscle, you want to display it as best possible. And the older you get, the thinner your skin gets. And so 
you'll be in like your fifties and it almost seems like your skin's paper thin. And so if you can pull all the water out of your body and step on stage dry and conditioned, you'll be able to see like the graining details of your muscle compared to where as if you see a 19 year old in the gym and he flexes his muscle, you can see the outline, but there's no grain there. There's no, and I'm just like, I'm just now starting to get that at 25. Really? And I, a lot of people, I don't think everyone's so rushed to get on the stage now, nowadays, which is a big mistake, but look at the Mr. Olympia call out and look at the ages of the guys doing the Mr. Olympia. Yeah. Oh, Jay Cutler won his first Olympia at 33. Ronnie Coleman was 34. You look at really, Dexter Jackson. He's Dexter still Jackson, competing. Yeah. looks amazing. So I really think, like, you don't hit your start hitting your prime in bodybuilding until about 30 years old. Um, if you've been doing it long enough. Like, you're usually 10 years in at that point. Um, yeah. And when you look at all the top pros outside of, like, my good friend, like Nick Walker, he's 28. Um, when he's just honestly like the most dedicated, hard, hardest working person I know, which is why he's where he's at. I wouldn't say he's like genetically gifted. The dude just busts his ass. But um, like no one in the top five outside of Nick is under 30 years old. And even the top 10, I mean, Steve Kukulo turned pro at 26, 27. Something and, like that, yeah. Yeah. And he's pushing he's he's late thirties now, is he 35, 36? Uh he's 37, 38. Yeah. And he's like at the best he's been in the past couple of years. Yeah. So um I just I don't think people kind of realize that this is such a long game. It's not like it was 30, 40 years ago. Um, when you like retire in your early thirties, because the bodies are so much bigger. Uh, such a different look that it takes more time. So I always tell people, I'm like, man, you really don't hit your prime till you're you're 30. And you know, as soon as I won my pro card, people are like, oh, go do a pro show. And I'm like, I'm not. I may be a pro, but I'm not pro ready. Right. Yeah. There's a big gap there. Uh, and uh, so I work in with fighters with nutrition, and you know, the same thing with them is just because they've decided to take a pro fight doesn't mean they're ready to step in there against like George Mosvidal or anything. You know, it's there's levels to shit that you have to like hit first. So you work that's your awesome. way up the ladder kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's similar to, to life, you know, and, and this is kind of where I wanted to kind of dig our heels in a little bit on this conversation. Um, because we talked a little bit about it. Um, like prior, like over the phone or whatnot. Um, but you mentioned uh, stepping on stage too soon. And I feel like that's a big thing is the people are trying to do is they're trying to be show ready, you know, and they're trying to act like they're prepping for a show, bulking and cutting and doing all this stuff, but they never step on stage. They're running all these cycles to do this crazy shit and, and starting it at a very, very young age. You know, I've met 17-year-olds who have already hopped on a gram of test a week. And that's insane. Um, yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's you have to uh, kind of go through the steps to earn everything. You know, there are no quick cheats to, to bodybuilding. 
Um, so I guess this is kind of for the last subject because apparently Zoom's going to kick us off here in a few minutes. But let's, uh, I want to know kind of your take on everything, um, on younger people stepping on stage too soon, running cycles too soon, and how that's kind of like factored into some of the deaths that we've occurred within the industry of bodybuilding over the last couple of years and why people aren't really taking the hint, you know? And people are trying to rush something that can't be rushed. Um, the human body can only build muscle tissue at such a rate of speed, no matter how much shit you, gear you jam into your body, um, no matter how much protein and food you eat, the body can only put on so much muscle mass at a time. And a great gain of muscle tissue is a one pound of muscle a month. You know, that's 12 pounds a year. You times that by five years, you put on 60 pounds of muscle. That's insane. Mm -hmm. And people are like always saying, oh, I'm going to be 20 pounds heavier on stage next year. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't work like that. Um, yeah. Like for me personally, I have to put on 25 pounds of stage weight before I compete as a pro. And I already have an outline that it's probably going to take me two to two and a half years to do that. So I'm looking at competing in 2025 um because i'm realistic that this shit takes time yeah so people try to rush it where i think is where like um the abuse of gear comes in so i was kind of fortunate that like um as a, a teenager as a younger age um i didn't have like a ton of money like i was very very poor like i was wondering how i was going to eat the next day so really? running crazy amounts of stuff was just wasn't even a thought because I couldn't do it. You know, as I got older, um, it, it got more advanced. Um, but I'll say what I was doing at like 21, 22 is the same I do at 25. It's probably even a little less now. Um, but I think people just tried to rush it. And that was like the answer to do all of those crazy things that people are doing and that we hear about nowadays. And, all it kind of does is speed up that process of uh, guys dying at a young age. I mean, yeah. you look at these massive swings in body weight, and it's uh, not not healthy. And then you combine that with the gear too, and so if if people just looked at it in the long term, like a pound of muscle a month, even though that seems like nothing, do that for ten years. It's 144 yeah. pounds of muscle. <laughs> You're on the yeah. Mr. Olympia stage. Yeah, 100. percent Yeah. So, all right, I got to get you out of here in a few minutes. Um, and I wanted to talk about how, like, just to kind of continue this conversation really quick of you know earning everything. Um, if you go on your Instagram or your Facebook or anything, um, you do more than just bodybuilding. You've earned a very good life. Um. I've seen a couple of the cars that you've posted mm -hmm. and pretty sweet cars. So, and unfortunately in the bodybuilding world, a lot of people focus strictly on bodybuilding and think that's the ticket that's going to get them into like, you know, the nicer house and everything. And that's just not the reality. There's not that much money in bodybuilding. No. Um, so what else are you doing outside of the bodybuilding world? So I did that. I just bodybuilded for like three years and didn't work. I just did online training. I was just like, I'm going to be a stay at home bodybuilder. And then I realized like 
going to the gym only takes up so much time of my day. And um, I, I just hit like a turning point of 24 where I became obsessed with like making money because mm-hmm. I was tired of being poor. Like I used to be so poor. I'd fill up my gas tank at $5 at a time because I didn't know if I'd have enough money to eat the next day. And now, you know, I don't have to worry about that, you know, thank God anymore. Um, I, I became obsessed with making money, just like I became obsessed with bodybuilding. And I will say, like, the only thing I love more than bodybuilding is cars and making a lot of money. Um, the cars is a huge story from when I was, I was a kid. But I looked at, you know, what do these guys do that make millions? And how do they do it? And wealth is just like bodybuilding. There's levels to it and it takes time. There's no get rich quick. There's just to get rich for sure. Um, and these guys do two things, real estate and uh, financial services, selling products. Mm-hmm. Um, so I began looking heavily into real estate. I just started my own real estate investment company. Um and I was selling life insurance. I have been selling life insurance. And, you know, I went from making like 2000 a month to 4000 you know, 6000 I remember the first time I made 10 k in a month. And I was like, holy shit, like, this is awesome. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, now I'm making like 15 Okay, 15 k a month is okay. But like, how do I get to 25 k a month? How do I get to 50 k And there's just levels to it and wealth. And I just kind of became obsessed with money like the first thing i do every single day i wake up i go to the bathroom i check my bank account i check all my finances i see what money's coming in what money's going out i track everything and um yeah so it just really became obsessed with financials because i have a certain lifestyle i want to live in addition to bodybuilding that bodybuilding won't ever provide so i needed to find a way to do that and uh, real estate's been the biggest thing, um, you know, just starting my investment business and yeah. buying properties has, I think by the end of the year, I'm going to close on 15 more properties and each property I'm grossing like 1600 a month in rent. That's amazing, and dude. So awesome. just like finding ways to yeah generate wealth because everyone like, I'll say this, end on this note. When people say, you know, money doesn't buy happiness, I think that's the biggest, like, line of bullshit. I mean... Poor I, people say that, that's why. I, I say that, I'm like, <laughs> only poor people say that. Yeah. Make make 100K in a month and tell me you're not happier. Yeah. Tell me you're not happier when you don't have to worry about finances, bills, debt. Life becomes a lot, lot better. Yeah. And it's amazing that you've kind of came up from, I mean, I've been to Chelsea. I played hockey in Chelsea growing up. Like I grew up in Adrian, so I know Chelsea very well. And uh, for you to kind of get out of Chelsea, get away from the drugs, the alcohol, turn into a professional bodybuilder. And now you're doing all these business ventures and really making a name for yourself. I think it's very commendable that uh, you're able to carve this path out and kind of print a blueprint for other bodybuilders that could potentially kind of follow you and uh, repeat your success. So it's amazing that you're doing that. Um, thank you for sharing your story. Got to get you out of here because Zoom's being a dick, but uh, I just never use Zoom anymore. 
it seems like I got very yeah, tired. Yeah, they make you buy the Zoom Pro right now, so you can have a limited length time. So I ended up buying yeah. it to work, but yeah, yeah. let you go 45 minutes and they boot you off. Yeah, I traditionally use a different service just because it, it'll record it on your computer and mine. Um, oh. But obviously, we had some technical difficulties that we couldn't get that done. But uh, I do want to thank you for coming on. Uh, it's been a pleasure and an honor. And uh, how can my audience find you? Um, I do have a pretty big bodybuilding audience and combat sports and everything. So I'm sure this is going to gain you know a lot of traction and have some people reaching out to you potentially. Uh, just Instagram. Um, I try to stay off of Facebook because it's become such a toxic atmosphere nowadays. Yes. <laughs> people are just spewing their freaking opinions every five seconds. It's full of Republican and Karens, pretty much. It's it's like both sides of everything, and I'm so tired of reading it. And, yeah. it. and I'm like, even if I agree with you, I'm tired of fucking hearing yep. it. But um, you can find me on Instagram at Dom underscore my last name, Trevelini. And uh, that's the best way to find me, contact me, ask me questions about real estate, bodybuilding, my online coaching services, anything like that. Nice. All right. Yeah. And uh, I definitely implore if you want to do a show, get a hold of a coach. Yes. Don't, don't do it yourself. I mean, like there's so much you can do to yourself, but once you're getting ready for a show, hire a coach makes a world of difference. So, uh, all right, Dom, get you out of here. Uh, one more.